0: stories of innovation and success from the vibrant communities of rural Nova Scotia. This is Ignited.
1: Hey there, this is Ignited the Podcast. I'm Wade Cleveland. I work for a rural innovation hub called Ignite, and I'm here to tell you some great small town and rural success stories. This episode, we're joined by Ingrid Dion, founder of WordCraft Media in Yarmouth, a former resident company of Ignite Yarmouth. Ingrid has a truly inspiring story to tell. As a single mother, she was working multiple jobs and struggling to make ends meet. With a degree in journalism, she finally convinced a marketing company to allow her to work remotely from her home. And it was then that she discovered her love for social media. She started Wordcraft in 2019 with two, count them, two national clients, Nestle and Manulife Bank. Since then, she's grown the company to be a national leader in organic social media, which is social media without ad boosting, thus allowing it to grow organically. She recently won the Rising Star Award at the Yarmouth Chamber of Commerce Business Awards. Thank you so much for being here. Thank
0: you for having me.
1: Congratulations.
0: Oh, yeah. Thank on you. On winning
1: the uh, the award at the Small Business Awards with uh, the Yarmouth Chamber of Commerce. You you won Rising Star, and you seemed so excited at this
0: I time. was so excited. It's funny because we were nominated for four awards, which seems like, you know, oh, you've got pretty good odds of winning. But I know that what we do is not easy for everyone to understand, you know, what we work we work in digital. It's not we don't have a storefront. People can't come and see us. It's not it's it's harder for people to wrap their brains around. And so I thought, yeah, it's judged by a group of Yarmouth business people. Mm-hmm. you know, not maybe not everyone understands what we do. So I was thinking, yeah, we probably don't have very good odds of, actually winning an award. <laughs> um, so then when we did, I was so excited. I, I just couldn't believe it. I was so excited. And I had two of my team members there with me that night. They were all excited. Uh, three of our team members couldn't make it. One is in PEI, one is in Waterloo, and one is local. Uh, she's a student, um, but she couldn't come. So, But it was great to have like two of the team members there. We were sitting at a table with one of our clients. He won an award too. It was just a great night
1: get to celebrate yourself a little bit.
0: Yeah. Which is nice
1: to do. It really is. So when you posted it on social media the next day, you mentioned the fact that you were like a day away from your third anniversary. Yeah. That's kind of amazing, too. It does feel a little bit like fate, don't you think?
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's funny because the Rising Star Award is for a business that's between one and three years old. And you know, we turned three the day after, just a few hours after we won that award. So if the award ceremony had been the next day, we wouldn't have qualified. <laughs> so it's kind of funny that it happened that way.
1: It is. So three years. Does three years feel like forever or does three years feel like an instant?
0: Oh, Kind of both, I guess. A little of column A, a little of column B. <laughs> it's it definitely went by fast. And also, you know, we started, I started the business in 2019, October. Um, of course, that's before COVID. COVID is a time warp and nothing seems like it's feels like yesterday. And it also feels like, you know, 10 years or something. So it's, very hard to judge how how long it feels. <laughs>
1: that's very true. Okay, let's let's go back. Tell me a story. Tell me how things kind of came together. Now you started off uh, going to college and taking journalism, right? I
0: did, yeah. So
1: that's there. There's quite a road there.
0: Oh yeah. How much time do you have? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have a bit. So so let's talk about that. Where does journalism lead you into what you're doing now?
0: Yeah. So yeah, when I was in you know elementary school, high school, I loved writing. And I thought that that meant that I needed to be a journalist. Um, I didn't know that people wrote the words in advertising. Like, I didn't even know that was a career living in Yarmouth or Pubnico where I grew up. Um, I had no idea. If I had known, I would have gone into marketing. Had no idea. So I went into journalism, loved it, um, worked for about five years in uh, newspaper and radio, uh, worked for the Chronicle Herald and the Vanguard and CBC and Radio Canada, Um, But at that point, um, the boomers still had a lot of the jobs. So there weren't a lot of vacancies. Um, And there weren't, you know, digital wasn't really a big thing yet. Online journalism wasn't really happening. So there were very few jobs. So it was hard. Um, I did a lot of casual work, uh, freelance, stringing you know, all the, all the words that we use in journalism. Um, and then at some point, it was just like, yeah, I can't get a job in journalism. So I worked in politics for a while. I <laughs> worked for the NDP caucus for four years um, doing communications and outreach. Um, so that was fun. And, you know, we won an election during that whole thing. It was crazy. I was pregnant, <laughs> had my son. Um, and then, uh, eventually I got laid off and I managed the Yarmouth Farmer's Market for a little while and I worked at the Art Gallery of Nova Scotia and I worked at the Village Historic in Pubnico. You know, like I did all kinds of different things, wore many hats, uh, all always looking for uh, work in marketing, journalism, communications, something. Uh, in my field, it was hard though living in Yarmouth.
1: Yeah, I would think so, and it's kind of funny because that's a, that's a great story. I think a lot of people, when it comes to success, uh, you kind of you end up wearing a whole bunch of different hats and experiencing a whole lot of different things. Do you think that wearing all of those different hats, and and this is a leading question, but <laughs> does it does it lead you to where you are, uh, or does that like collective experience at least help?
0: Um, you know, I would have loved if my career was a little bit more linear, but, <laughs> but you know, you can't really change that. Um, it has been a very winding road. And I think, you know, it rarely is linear. And maybe it did help uh, make me more resourceful and more resilient because, you know, doing all those different things. Um, the reason that I got a job and, and how I broke into social media was... Um, I, when I worked for the farmer's market, I managed their social media channels. I wrote their newsletter for the public and for the vendors. Um, I also had my own little knitting business. So I'm a knitter and a spinner in my spare time. Oh, really? Yeah. So I wrote knitting patterns and sold my hand knits, did this, you know, after work. Um, so I sold my knitting patterns online uh, did social media for my knitting business. Um, I worked at the Yarmouth County Museum, managed their social media there. So all of these little jobs, um, that I did, I did a lot of marketing during those jobs, not intentionally. So then that helped me, you know, I had experience when I went to apply for a job at an agency in Halifax, And got a job as a social media coordinator.
1: Was that simply seeing an ad that they were looking and you were looking as well? So everything aligned?
0: Yeah. And I applied for many, many jobs and got rejected many, many times. Um, I was... So when my son was three years old, uh, my ex-husband left, and so I became a single mom. Um, so I really had to hustle, and we were, you know, we were we were statistics. I was a single mom living under the poverty line. I worked three jobs, um, you know, all of those things. I really worked hard and was constantly um, applying for jobs. Like my full-time job was applying for jobs, and then I had three other jobs too, and. People rejected me over and over again because I was in Yarmouth County and I couldn't move away. Well, I mean, I could have, but my son needs to see his dad. I find That's the most important thing is for him to have a relationship with both of his parents. And so if I lived in Halifax, making him travel every week or every other weekend or whatever, three hours to see his dad, three hours back, like that's not fair for a three-year-old. So that's why I didn't move to the city. Um, And, you know, whenever I had a job interview, I would say, is it possible, and this is before the pandemic, of course, is it possible for me to work from home and maybe come in one day a week? And as soon as I said that, people would shut it down. Um, So that's one of the reasons that I'm passionate about providing jobs, creating jobs for people in rural Nova Scotia to do digital marketing, which pretty much doesn't exist in rural Nova Scotia. But I'm building a world class social media agency in rural Nova Scotia, and I'm hiring people from rural Nova Scotia.
1: That's amazing. And yeah, and as an aside, because we're going to, we're getting back to the story in a minute, but (laughs) it's funny, COVID was a horrible, horrible time. It still is, we're still going through it. But one thing that COVID did prove is that it doesn't matter where you are. We figured out a way where you can be in Yarmouth, you can be in Pubnico, you can be in Bora Bora, and you can still work almost anywhere doing almost anything as long as your internet is good
0: yeah exactly and that was the case before the pandemic but people didn't recognize it and I was trying you know I tried so hard to get people to agree to hire me and let me work from home Um, and you know no one was open to it until I did find this one agency went for an interview told them that and they said we can work with that so that's why I ended up getting this job, getting out of poverty, um, starting my career in social media, was because this one agency finally gave me a chance. And I worked, I went to Halifax on Mondays every week for three and a half years and worked from Pub to Go the rest of the week. Um, so yeah, it's crazy. That's amazing.
1: Now, did you, <laughs> you, obviously, I mean, you were new to marketing as far as it goes in terms of a professional way. Yeah. You've, you've done marketing before, but you were new to it. Did you start out like ground floor level, working your way up kind of thing?
0: Absolutely. It was an entry level position. And um, I remember uh, the person who hired me, he, he said, you know, this is entry level, like you are more qualified than this. So just making sure you're OK with that. And the amount that they were going to pay me was putting me above the poverty line. So I was like so happy because I was making more than like $26,000 a year. Um, and, and they couldn't believe that in Halifax, because no one makes $26,000 a year in Halifax. Um, I mean, some people probably do, but no one in a professional career. So entry-level position was great for me, because I, you know, I was going to be able to feed us and keep a roof over our heads, and maybe even get a car, because I was sharing a car with my Grammy for a while. <laughs> me and Grammy sharing a car. It was great.
1: Do you think that the ability of working at home changes things for working mothers? Specifically oh because it's it's usually a working mother who would ask that question.
0: Yeah. So I think the pandemic really leveled the playing field for, um, for single moms and, you know, anyone else um, in terms of working atmosphere. When I was working from home and, you know, being alone with my son, I had to close my off my home office door. I had a sign on it that said, like, mom is in a meeting or, you know, something so that he knew that he couldn't come in while I was in a meeting because, God forbid, someone should see your child in a Zoom meeting. Um, That's the way it used to be before the pandemic. No one like there was no tolerance for something that wasn't work when you were working from home like you couldn't put away the dishes or something while you were working cuz you were working now it's so different when everyone started working from home it's like you know kids were coming in men were working in suits at home kids were coming in it was fine it's it's fine now people are you know your kid comes in the room and people are like oh hi you know waving on zoom to your kid my kid comes in all the time now he's a big kid but he comes in the room now when I'm on calls and it's okay. It's just like things have changed so much in terms of tolerance for that kind of thing. Whereas I used to have to hide my child and hide the fact that I was a single mom. Now it's like it's fine for anyone to uh, to be able to work from home with kids. It's you know it's it amazing. is it's
1: amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's a whole different thing. And and think of how quick that came. Yeah, so quick. It becomes a whole different thing when everybody is in the same boat.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting.
1: Back to the story. Right. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> you started at this uh, firm how did things go there? Obviously, you found something special because now it's it's become so much to you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. As uh, on my first day, I knew that it was what I was meant to do. I remember I was sitting there and the first thing that I learned how to do, we were working with Nestle Canada, Mm -hmm. huge brands. Like I think they had 18 different brands on social media. And so what we did was you would have a screen with all of the different brands in different columns, and you'd have all of the comments and messages on social media coming in for each of those brands. And so we would go through, answer the questions, uh, resolve the complaints. We were going through them. My boss was teaching me how to do it. um, And then she said, okay, your turn, like you start answering them. So I started answering them. And I said to her... I love this. And I'm, you know, I'm just answering comments and questions and complaints on social media. But it is the most satisfying thing. You get a question, you know the answer, you provide the answer, you send, then it disappears. It's like crossing things off a to-do list all day long. Like you get that hit of dopamine every single time. I was in my element. (laughs) It was the best. And then, you know, it, it wasn't long until I progressed to creating content, not just answering comments and questions, which is called community management, but also creating content, like writing the copy on the posts, writing uh, content plans, and working with designers to come up with the creative, and then doing reports. And, And you know, I worked my way up to manager of social pretty quickly because my boss ended up um, leaving, so... Uh, And then I was managing a team in Halifax and in Toronto. So I was in Halifax one day a week. I was in Toronto once a month um, and then still worked from PubNico. Wow. Yeah. There must have
1: been a lot of pressure. Did you feel pressure doing all of that? It seems... It seems like a quick climb. And yeah, it was. To, to all of a sudden, I know sometimes, and again, I'm, I'm going back to my own personal experiences and things, but sometimes you get almost a case of imposter syndrome a little bit. Did you ever have to deal with that?
0: I mean, I think we all do. I think anyone who says that they don't have imposter syndrome is lying. Um, I like I'm having a huge a hit of imposter syndrome because on Friday of this week, I am on a panel Uh, at Social East, the conference in Halifax. It's a two-day conference. And um, I'm on a panel with LinkedIn, about LinkedIn, with LinkedIn. LinkedIn is hosting it. And I'm on a panel with the presidents of two other really large agencies in Halifax, plus me, who owns an agency in Yarmouth. Um, It is like the biggest imposter syndrome situation I've ever encountered, I think. (laughs) But yeah, you always deal with that. And um, there is a lot of pressure when you're creating content, you're answering questions. I mean, what if you get it wrong? What if you give the wrong phone number? What if you, you know, write, and this has happened to everyone who has ever worked in community management, you write high name instead of, <laughs> I Wade <wait," laughs> because you're copying and pasting uh, from your uh, response matrix and, you know, it happens to everyone. And yeah, it's scary. But I always remind my team uh, when they make a mistake like that, you know. Nobody died we'll correct it. it's fine. Um, we learned something from it move on. Uh, so yeah, there is a lot of pressure. there's imposter syndrome but you just have to deal with it.
1: So how long were you with this this agency?
0: Uh, three and a half years
1: Wow yeah so that there's a trial by fire and and some real education plus all of the responsibilities and everything else.
0: yeah, I learned so much while I was there because you know I was coming in with no real marketing training just sort of, some anecdotal experience, (laughs) you know, on-the-job experience, Um, and yeah, I learned so much about how to deal with customers. Like, Nestle wanted to roll out their live chat feature at one point, and because I'm bilingual, they were like, maybe Ingrid can do this, so I single-handedly worked Nestle Canada's live chat feature on their website, (laughs) First for nine months. You're kidding me. I was I was answering every chat that came in, and it was just because, um, you know, they were hi- they were going to hire a call center to do it eventually, but they needed someone to sort of pilot it, and so that was what I did. Um, I was answering so many chats, uh, it was it was crazy, but you know it was fun. Uh, I liked it, even though it wasn't social media related. It was still kind of the same thing because kind of the same as community management because you're answering all the comments and questions. There's more pressure because you have to do it really quickly and then sometimes you have two chats at a time. One's in English, one's in French and you're answering them both and trying to remember who's English and who's French and yeah it's uh that was crazy. Uh but yeah I did so many things, learned so much and made so many connections. That's another thing. At agencies there's typically a high turnover. People come in, uh, people shop around, people get poached. Uh, You know, the agency world is really uh, fluid. So I got to work with tons of different people who came in and then they went to other corporations, other jobs. And, you know, now when they need someone who is a crackerjack at organic social media or community management they send me a message and they say, hey, I'm working at, you know, this is how we started working with Kraft Heinz. One of my former colleagues happened to be at Kraft. And so she said, you know, we need someone who's bilingual to help with community management. Can you do it? Yeah, sure. So we started working with Kraft Heinz. Like I was Kraft Dinner during the Olympics, which was just crazy.
1: It is. It's an amazing thing when you stop and think about all of this. Here's the thing. This is something you've learned very, very quickly. And if there's anything that I could teach anybody, and there's very little, imposter syndrome, (laughs) here we go. Uh, But if there is one thing, it is that power of networking and getting to know people and being friendly and respectful to everybody because you never know where that person's going to be or what you're going to need from them or vice versa. Those connections make a life and they make a professional life without question.
0: Absolutely. And I always say I'll meet with anyone. Anyone who wants to book a call with me, I'll do it. I'll give you 30 minutes. Anyone. Because of that, even if they're not an ideal client, um, they might be talking to someone who really needs me, who is an ideal client. And, you know, I was super nice on the call, and so then they'll recommend me. Um, A coach that I worked with calls it staying open to the magic, and I love that because I'm always open to the magic. Like, I don't close any doors. All Mm -hmm. the opportunities are open.
1: I think Uh, that's a key. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I, you know, I love it. I live by it.
1: At what point did you decide, okay, I need to start my own company? And what led to that? Why was the decision made?
0: Yeah, so... We talked about me being poor um, and, you know, getting an entry-level position, being above the poverty line. I climbed, like you said, you know, I climbed pretty quickly to, to managerial position. And, you know, I was managing like 10 to 12 people. Um, but my salary did increase slightly, but not very much. Um, however, since I was used to being poor and used to struggling, used to like just just getting by, you know, that was kind of... The way that I lived, um, I didn't realize that I was being underpaid. Really, it took until I hired someone to work on my team in Toronto, and they were making fifteen thousand dollars a year more than me, and I was their boss. And so, when I went to the president of the company and asked, um, you know, I just hired this person. I saw their their contract. They're making fifteen thousand dollars more than me a year. Um, I'm their boss. Shouldn't I make as much or more than them? Um, And he just said it's not going to happen. So it took me probably another year or so until I actually left. But that's kind of when that spark was ignited um, of, you know, maybe I could do this on my own. I honestly had no idea and I don't think any of us know um, how to start a business unless you've been to like business school or something. And even then, I don't know if you know, but um, I definitely didn't know how to run a business, how to start a business, not a clue. And I started meeting with people who had their own business, Um, like locally, Michaela LeBlanc, who has her own social media uh, business called Flocial. And, you know, I met with her and had tea with her. And I was just thinking, like, maybe I can absorb some of the entrepreneurial spirit from her just by being next to her. Um, And, you know, I did that with other people. I was just trying to figure out if there was a way that I could know how to start a business. Like, would it just come to me at some point? Would I just innately know how to do it? No, you never know. You're never ready you're never going to know. You're never going to be ready. You're never going to feel ready. You just have to do it. And that's what I did eventually. I just took that leap. It's a huge leap, uh, but I took it. And it was, yeah, it was a, a while after the the thought was ignited. It, it took quite a while.
1: How did you do it? What did you do?
0: I left the agency um, and... I got a job with Manulife Bank because they wanted to launch social media channels. So got that job, um, launched their social media channels, and uh, that was great, a lot of fun. I did it for about eight or nine months, and during that time, I started taking clients on the side. So started working with a little record label and book publishing company in Shelburne, and um, Nestle Canada, who I was working with at the agency... When I left, um, they contacted me and asked if I could keep freelancing with them. So I had Nestle, I had a bunch of work with them on the side. And then one of my former colleagues brought me in to work on Cove Kombucha in Halifax. And so it was getting to be like, oh, I've got quite a few like little clients on the side. This is kind of a, a thing. Maybe I could start my business now like I was thinking if I had five clients that would be ideal you know I had three Um, so I thought you know I think I'm gonna try it so I told Manulife Bank that I was leaving Uh, we had booked a trip to Australia in October of 2019 my boyfriend's best friend lives there so we went and visited him Um, and so I told Manulife Bank after my trip from Australia I'll be done And I said, I'm launching my own business. And they said, well, since you're starting your own business, could we be your client? I was like, well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to say no to that. Um, So then when I finally launched my business, um, I had two national clients. like I had Nestle and Manulife Bank, which the the two alone were you know that was enough to run a business essentially yeah that's and a big
1: deal it, it was you started deal. with a couple of national
0: clients <laughs> that's okay i know i know it's still like hard to wrap my brain around and yeah and then i had a couple of other little ones and um yeah so that's that's just how it started and then people just then the pandemic happened and of course everyone was pivoting to putting a lot of focus on social media so other clients came fast and furiously at that point. And it's just kind of been skyrocketing ever since.
1: Talk a little bit about scaling up. At first, it was just you. Yeah. At what point did you say, oh, my gosh, I need help here?
0: Uh, yeah. Um, again, I thought that at some point, I would know. Like, I would just be like, oh, yeah, now it is time for me to hire someone. OK. I didn't know. That never came. It never happened. Um, and it's so funny that I kept waiting. And I think probably a lot of us do this and probably a lot of entrepreneurs have similar stories where you're thinking like, at some point, won't I know when I have to do such and such? I don't know. I, I never really know. I just kind of do it by feel. Uh, maybe that's not strategic, but it's worked for me. So I don't know. Maybe that's not good, but good advice. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so I thought that I would just kind of be a solopreneur for forever. Um, I didn't know that I would grow and have employees. Um, but at some point, it got, it was in 2021, in February of 2021, things were bananas because I was working on craft dinner. And Craft Dinner did a campaign where they did um, cotton candy Katie candy. I remember? Katie. Yeah, so I worked on that. Um, and it was crazy. It was so busy. I hate uh,
1: that stuff because of you. <laughs> it was social media that had me eating cotton candy craft dinner. I don't know if I should thank you or
0: <laughs> It was awful. <laughs> So I was flat out busy. And then I was also, you know, working on tons of other things because I had piles of clients. Mm -hmm. Um, And my best friend, Courtney, who used to work with me at the agency. So I hired her when, when we worked at the agency. We've been best friends since I was in grade eight and she was in grade seven. Um, so she showed up one day at Ignite. So I was working out of here because I used to be a tenant Mm -hmm. and she showed up one day and said, when can you hire me? And it was like the same day that I was kind of like losing my mind because Candy Katie was so, uh, (laughs) so busy. And she said, how about March 1st? I was thinking, I don't know. I have enough work for you. I don't know if I can pay you or what, but yeah, sure. So (laughs) I wrote her a contract, hired her. Um, she started working uh, a few hours before March first, and then March first she started full time. So that's kind of just how I did it. Um, and since and and now we're a team of six in total. Uh, two of us, me and Courtney, are still full time. The rest are part time. Um, and we're adding another full timer before the end of the year.
1: That's a quick build.
0: It's crazy. Yeah.
1: Everything scaled up so quickly for you. Yeah. Let's go back just for a sec because, and and this is a shameful self-promotion, but let's, let's talk about your time a little bit with Ignite. Yeah. Um, what brought you to Ignite?
0: Well, again, I was, at the time, it was before I started my business and I was trying to figure out if I could absorb entrepreneurial spirit from people. And so I had heard about Ignite and I started coming to Lunch and Learns back when they were at the college. And um, I met with Doug. I was just like, I want to like... I want to learn from you. Like, I want to run my own business. I don't know what I'm doing. And um, eventually I just thought, yeah, I think I'm going to become a tenant. So when I I started my business in the October of 2019 and, and became a tenant, I think in November. So it was it was really soon after. Um, I was really hungry to learn as much as possible, and I thought that this seemed like the best place to to learn about how to run a business. There were a lot of resources. Doug's super smart and there were mentors and there were other businesses. That was another thing, like just being around other entrepreneurs. That I had never been in that atmosphere before was amazing. And it was just cool that, you know, one day I was working on a content plan for a client. um, And, you know, I looked over and, you know, there's a photographer there, a professional photographer. And so I was like, well, I need photos. So I'll bring the product here and he can take photos and I can get my client to pay him. Like I can share some of my clients with these other entrepreneurs in this room. It was great, um, so that's kind of how it's how it started. And at one point, I think about um, yeah, it must have been. It was two years after I started as a as a tenant. Um, I graduated and uh, and flew the nest and got my own office just down the road.
1: Things are going well for you.
0: It's yeah, it's amazing. It's uh, it's hard to believe. Also like when I first started out, I didn't know what my niche would be. I knew that I really liked writing. I really like social media. I also do some translation because I'm bilingual. So when I started, it was, you know, copywriting, social media, translation, kind of all three. It didn't take me too long to pare it down and figure out what I was, what I really, really loved doing. So I pared it down to social media and then I pared it down to organic social media. So our agency is super duper niche. Organic social media is essentially the posts on social media that don't have any boosting behind them. So most advertising agencies specialize in creating paid campaigns. Sponsorships.
1: Yeah. You you pay for those and they, they just show up because it hits a certain demographic.
0: Exactly. So what we do is organic social media, posting consistently, creating a community, building that engagement growing a a group of loyal fans of your brand and keeping them engaged and having those meaningful conversations with them that's what we do that's what i love about social media because social media is social it's social it's in the the word like social media so a lot of the ad campaigns to me it's a lot of like talking to people it's not engaging whereas organic social media is really about engaging people and having conversations So, you know, that's, I guess that's why I love it. It is super labor intensive because we are creating net new content all the time. So every month we have content plans for all of our clients. We write the copy, we do the design, the photography, the videography, whatever. We post, we schedule all the posts for them. So we have a lot of content plans. Um, and but you know, with a paid campaign, you you create five pieces of content and you keep putting the ad spend behind them.
1: Yeah, quite so a different thing organically.
0: It's yeah, it's it's totally different. And very few marketing agencies do organic social media. So we have this like lucrative niche that is, you know, a captive audience, which I think was a very smart thing for me to do. I didn't realize how smart it was at the time, but looking back, finding that niche, and we are very good at it. We're like the best in our field. And, you know, very few people are doing it. We're really good at it. And that has been sort of the secret to our success
1: where is everybody? Are they on Twitter? Are they on Facebook? Where are they? Are they everywhere?
0: They are everywhere. It depends on your company, your brand's uh, target audience. So that's one thing that we do. We create social media strategies. So if you come to me and you need a strategy, we will dive into your business and figure out who your target audience is and what their habits are, which social platforms they're on, uh, which ones are their favorites. And that's where we try to engage them. You don't have to be everywhere in fact you should not be everywhere so if your target audience is mostly on facebook that's where you should be posting don't get you know don't get distracted by the shiny tiktok if that's not where your target audience is so it's really about figuring out who your target audience is you can do that by talking to some of your favorite customers and finding out you know what is your favorite platform on social media where do you like to hang out where do you spend most of your time and then concentrate on on one or two. Um, we have clients who are gangbusters on Facebook. We have some that are just super busy over on Instagram. Others, like LinkedIn, is the best place for them. Um, you know, it really it really depends on the audience.
1: Right. When you're talking LinkedIn, you're mostly talking about uh, a business community, if you will. I find myself spending more and more time on that. And and I watch how my trends go, where suddenly I'm not really paying attention to Facebook that much anymore. I'm more looking to see what's going on on LinkedIn, because that's where I feel a sense of community.
0: Mm -hmm. It is.
1: It's that, isn't it?
0: And you're working in a B2B setting right now. Like Mm -hmm. You're working with entrepreneurs. You're working at Ignite. And so that makes sense that uh, LinkedIn would be more interesting to you right now.
1: How about things like Reels and those kind of things, which I'm finding just plain entertaining at the very least.
0: Yeah. Video is great. Uh, We've found huge success with Reels on Instagram, um, posting those same videos on TikTok, um, depending on the audience. Uh, We've found like Facebook has Reels also. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've found they underperform. So we've found they're better off posting a video on Facebook as a video post rather than as a reel. Um, And we've tested it for various clients. And it's always the video, the the video post on Facebook outperforms the reel on Facebook. This is really interesting. It's crazy. Yeah.
1: Does it change? Uh, It seems to because things seem, (laughs) seem to be so fluid. All, all of a sudden, everybody's on, I don't know, for a while there, Snapchat. I could yeah. not get into Snapchat. Um, but all of a sudden, for a while there, a few years back, everybody was talking about Snapchat. And then I kind of disappeared. Are there other next big things? Like, how is how is this working?
0: Yeah, it's changing all the time. We have to test and learn all the time. And, you know, I love that. I get really geeky about that. And I think a lot of my team loves that kind of thing too. So at, at the beginning of each month, we do a report um, based on the previous month to see what's performing well, what's not performing well, um, so that we can then you know, recalibrate and figure out what we're doing for the next month um so yeah there's um i guess the next big thing is be real um have you heard it's a new it's a new social platform (laughs) i love it Uh, right now brands haven't really taken on posting there it's mostly you know people so like your friends would be on it um essentially every day sometime during the 24 hours of the day Uh, It sends you a notification on your phone and says you have two minutes to be real. So you have two minutes to post a photo. It takes a photo of in your front camera as well as your back camera and posts that. So it's one post a day. You've got to do it within two minutes of when you get the notification. So essentially it's like not as polished as all of the other social media platforms. It's really like this is what I'm doing right now and I'm not joking. Like this is actually what I'm doing right now.
1: How long has that existed?
0: Um a few months, yeah. It's been around for a little bit. Um I don't know a lot of people who are on it, um, but I've been on it since like the spring, maybe. But yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's fun. That's great. Yeah.
1: What does the future hold for you?
0: Um, we're going to keep growing. Uh, sometimes I wonder, you know, it's funny, uh, Michelle, who is, she was on the podcast, Michelle Hurlbert. Mm-hmm. she's my coach. She's been my coach uh, for over two years. And uh, honestly, could not live without her. She's amazing. Um, but she asked me um, what WordCraft looks like in a year. And, you know, I I think we will grow. We'll have at least two more full-time employees, uh, maybe more. We'll have some really big corporate clients. Um, We're bringing on one more before the end of the year. Um, But then next year, I'm sure even more are happening. We just, uh, the business WordCraft just got named or just got uh, certified as a women-owned business, which sounds sort of weird. Obviously, it's Um, women-owned. Why do you need to be certified? But uh, the certification helps to get into a lot of big corporations because their procurement teams have to source a certain percentage of their vendors from diverse uh, owned businesses. And if you're certified women-owned, then you fit into that percentage. So it's sort of like an, a door that opens that might not have been open before or might have been really hard to open. Right. So it's, it's like a, a special little... Um, it's not special treatment, but it's a different avenue that you have access to that you can get into uh, to get to big corporations. So... Uh, Next week, I'll be in Toronto um, going to the Weeby Conference, which is the women-owned certification. So doing that for two days, meeting with like big corporations, you know, just because I – because my business is certified women-owned, in the past couple of weeks, I've been able to pitch for Bell. I've pitched for TELUS. I've pitched for UPS, like really big businesses that I've had access to to talk to. Like it's just bananas. So (laughs) I think – we're going to get more big clients. And um, and yeah, and we're going to grow. And I'm going to keep hiring people locally. Uh, the team right now is made up of four people who are in Yarmouth physically. Um, one person who's in PEI, but she used to live in Yarmouth and she's moving back next year. And then the other person's from Bridgewater. She's in Waterloo right now, but you know, she's a little Bridgewater gal. And um, so, yeah, I'm creating this team of super talented people in rural Nova Scotia, many of whom um, have struggled at some point because they've been in rural Nova Scotia. And and on that note, I am also the secretary of the Digital Nova Scotia Board. So I wanted to be on the board of Digital Nova Scotia because I have found that So much of what Digital Nova Scotia has done in the past few years has been very Halifax-centric. Yes. And I really want to be a champion for rural Nova Scotia, just like Ignite is. And I think, you know, some of my passion for rural Nova Scotia comes from being a tenant at Ignite. Um, So now that I'm a voice on the board, I make it, like every board meeting, I make sure that I have some time to talk about rural Nova Scotia and digital in rural Nova Scotia, tech in rural Nova Scotia, because it's a thing, like it's happening. People are coming in from outside. People have like super amazing skills in tech, in IT, in digital. And, you know, I want to find those people and get them to work at WordCraft.
1: A true rural success story. Yeah. Congratulations. And here's to the future. Thank you. Thank you so much for talking to me today.
0: (laughs) Thanks for having me. It's been a blast.
1: To find out more about WordCraft and what they do, check out their website, word-craft.ca, and find them on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and pretty much every social media platform. And to find out more about rural innovation and what Ignite does, check out igniteatlantic.com. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you subscribed to Ignite It, share us with your friends, and gave us a good review. And we'd love to hear from you. Any comments or suggestions about the podcast or who you'd like to hear on it are most welcome. Our website is igniteatlantic.com and my email is wade, W-A-D-E at igniteatlantic.com. I'm Wade Cleveland. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again soon.